BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. It is an honor to be with you tonight. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we bring you the stories that the mainstream media too often ignore or censor. Well, Just the News editor-in-chief John Solomon has an important news story out on JustTheNews.com. It is titled, Biden's Office Warned in 2015 That Ukrainian Oligarch Who Hired His Son Hunter Was Deemed Corrupt. He joins us now in the studio. John, it's great to see you again, sir. Let me begin by saying we get so much great feedback on social media from folks. And every time you're on, you should know people are praying for you all over the country. And they're saying, thank you. Go, John Solomon. Thank you for having him on. They so appreciate the fact that you and I know you've got a great team. We do. We have an awesome team. Who keep digging into these to these stories. So please. Give us, give us the update. What's the latest? So if you remember, all throughout the election in 2015, 2016, impeachment, I'm sorry, 2018, 2019, 2020, through impeachment, Joe Biden said, I didn't know anything about this Burisma thing. It was my son saying, no, nothing wrong, untoward happened. And then over the last several weeks, uh, uh, we've been able to unearth lots of documents. This is the most direct document that shows what Joe Biden's team knew. December 2015. The then ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Kiev in Ukraine, wrote all the senior staff in Joe Biden's office. He's vice president at the time. And he says the oligarch, uh, Zolchevsky, who had hired uh, Hunter Biden at Burisma Holdings, a gas company, is corrupt. And the Justice Department helped bring some of the corruption charges against him. They actually fed the information that led to a uh, British case against Zolchevsky directly alerts the vice president that his son is working for somebody that the State Department and the Justice Department considered crooked and corrupt. And and one of the things, again, that I love and I think so many of our readers appreciate is that you have in this story, you've got in you the dig the in sec- section, you have links to five other stories that were written. And yeah. most importantly, you have the actual memos right there where people are warning about this oligarch who's hired Hunter Biden being corrupt. It's all there. Now, one of the things that you also point out in the story is that there were real concerns about Burisma paying bribes or being involved in bribes. Walk our viewers through. So this uh, notification from the ambassador, Jeffrey Pyatt, comes in December 2015. Eight, ten months before that, uh, George Kent, uh, Pyatt's deputy at the embassy, reports to the FBI that the Ukrainian prosecutors have told him that Burisma paid a $7 million fine to make that British case, the one we just talked about, to go away, disappear, fall off the earth. 11 months after Pyatt's memo, George Kent reports another bribe, this time to Pyatt's successor, Marie Ivanovich. She was an impeachment witness, as we all remember now, and tells her they closed down the last remaining cases against Burisma, and they paid another bribe in the form of dumping cheap gas on on the marketplace so the prosecutors and the president of Ukraine could buy it cheap, sell it high, make money. So you have, you know, remember, we heard it for months, Democrats saying no corruption. There's nothing here. It's a, uh, a fantasy. Uh, 
Twice the State Department reports bribes occurring while Hunter Biden's on the board. And in the middle, between those two bribes, the ambassador is telling Joe Biden, the guy your son's in business with is a bad guy. And this is happening, again, this is for all of our viewers, this is happening in 2015. Yeah. Joe Biden is Five serving as the vice president of the United States. And one of the things that I was struck by, and again, you have the actual memo there that all of our viewers can read for themselves. I was struck by, you know, and I, in, as a former governor, when you prepare for meeting the press, you'll prepare for questions Talking that you voice. think are likely yeah. to come. And what were they doing? They knew it's, there's documented evidence that they were telling the vice president how he ought to respond yeah. if these questions are brought up. So it's not just that they knew, but they were actually, their whole staff was engaged they were. in preparing uh, for, for this. And there was a reason for that. There were two things going on behind the scenes. There was a Ukrainian newspaper tied to Russia that was starting to raise questions about Hunter Biden and uh, Joe Biden and the possibility that it posed a conflict of interest. By the way, State Department officials believed it did create the parents of a conflict of interest. But uh, separately, the New York Times was about to report a story story saying Hunter Biden's presence on the Burisma board was going to undercut U.S. anti-corruption policy in Ukraine. So Joe Biden wasn't just the vice president. Right. He also was the point man for Ukraine anti-corruption policy. And that's what really created this appearance, this aura of a conflict of interest. And, you know, we, we heard no one was concerned about. Now we know all the senior State Department officials were worried about it. And the reason Jeffrey Pyatt says, sends that email saying, hey, you should know Zochevsky was investigated by DOJ and we think he was corrupt, is he saw the talking points and Joe Biden was not going to call out Zochevsky as a corrupt guy, which they thought might hurt the perception in Ukraine. So he was kind of very subtly pushing back on Joe Biden saying, you know, the guy is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's also break down. You and I talked about this, this once before, but I think there's so many... Uh, threads that get woven together. It's, yeah, it's important. It's, it's, it's important. It's important to kind of uh, pull the pull these out. Let's also remember how Ukraine was part of the impeachment argument against the former yeah, president. Such an important point, right? Yes. Uh, the entire impeachment was based on the idea that President Trump had no basis to ask Ukrainian authorities to look at Burisma, Joe Biden, and Hunter Biden. Now, what do we know a year after the president was acquitted in the impeachment trial? We know that Hunter Biden is under criminal investigation for taxes and possibly money laundering. We know there was a, whistle a whistleblower complaint filed to the SEC and IRS that raised questions about uh, that. We know there were suspicious money activity reports filed about Hunter Biden's transactions. And we now know the State Department had enormous concern about Zochevsky, Hunter Biden, and these bribes that were being paid. There was a very good reason to ask Ukraine and the United States government to look at the Hunter Biden thing. The impeachment was based on a false question. Yeah. And this was, again, this was the folks in the Obama administration right. who were raising questions about this. And then, yeah. the pre you know, President Trump asked We can't lose sight of that. Right. These were Biden and Obama's own people. These were Biden's primary advisors on Ukraine policy, constantly raising their hand, raising these concerns. Yes. Now, again, let's let's for our viewers, let's kind of uh, break down what's happening now in terms of the Hunter Biden investigation. Because, again, a lot of these these threads can get woven together. Attorney General Barr, we now know, is going to be stepping down. Yep. Right before Christmas, right. The, he was, and in his in his letter of, of resignation, he talked about the tremendous Russia collusion hoax investigation yeah. that was pushed on. Strong uh, repudiation. Is a, a strong repudiation of that. Um, 
we had we had Durham who was appointed as the special prosecutor but now to look into folks who advance the Russia collusion narrative but now we also know that the US attorney is investigating Hunter Biden and that is not necessarily related to uh, the bribes what we now know and you've reported was that this is related to him perhaps allegedly not paying taxes on some of the income he received from Burisma. Is that, that is that, that right? is a question right so there's a memo as we talked about in yes. your show last week yes. uh, in uh, January of 2017 as Trump is coming in saying hey Hunter you didn't pay four hundred thousand dollars of Burisma money from 2014 you better file an amended tax return because a new sheriff's coming into town yes. that's the inference of the yes. email um, yeah, what a reversal we are from four years ago. When, when uh, Donald Trump came into office, he was under investigation for collusion with Russia. Turned out that to be a bogus narrative. Yes. The people who prompted that story now under investigation, and Joe Biden enters office, theoretically, on January 20th with his son under criminal investigation. Uh, what a difference four years makes. Yeah, tre tremendous difference. Well, John, I know you and your team are gonna continue to drive forward and investigate this story. We are. Another really important story that's trending at justthenews.com. Right now, it's one of the number one stories on the site. You break down what happened at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Can you break that down for us? So there viewers? were two rulings yesterday. Yes. If you were reading most of the mainstream media, you only would have heard about one, which is the ruling that set aside Trump's request to uh, delay uh, the certification of election results or throw out the election results. That's the one that got all the attention. There's a second ruling where the same Supreme Court on the same day rules that the decision by Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Election Commission, major counties like Dane and Milwaukee County, they wrongly exempted hundreds of thousands of Wisconsin residents from having to go through voter ID. Basically, if you're a Wisconsin resident, you could say, I'm a permanent shut-in because of COVID, and therefore I don't have to go through voter ID. The court said, listen, just because we had a pandemic, yeah. you can't set aside the voter ID rules unless you were truly affirmed or elderly and could not get there. You didn't have a lawful basis to skip voter ID. And all of those applications and votes could potentially be challenged now. So they closed the door on one lawsuit. They opened up a window for the Republicans to challenge through a different avenue uh, under the Wisconsin Constitution. And what's the likely next step now with that window having been opened? Yep. Yeah, so someone has to file a new complaint saying, based on what the Supreme Court said, we would like to access the ballots of everyone who was uh, deemed permanently homebound and see if they legitimately had a thing. If they didn't have COVID and they weren't over the age of 75, the chances are they could not skip the voter ID. They would not have been allowed under this new ruling. So it puts into play tens of thousands, quite frankly, a couple hundred thousand votes potentially. Yes. Uh, now, will the, window, will the clock run out on Donald Trump before uh, that gets resolved? Probably. But it, it does put all the states who did all this meddling on morning. You're not going to get away with it in 2022. Yeah. And another just uh, I'll ask you to put on your longtime journalist hat sure. here as we move forward in the, in the last minute that we have left. What are the most important stories people need to be watching in this week leading up to Christmas and knowing that a lot of times politicians try to dump bad news between Christmas and New Year's, what should they be paying attention to? I still expect to see some declassifications in Russia, the big ones, the ones that we've been waiting for. I think the president is committed to getting that done before uh, the end of the year. And in addition, I think uh, you have to watch out. Hunter Biden's been notified he's under investigation. Usually a notification like that comes 
pretty quickly before uh, charges are filed. So we should be watching that. And the Senate Homeland Security Committee uh, tomorrow is going to have a hearing. They're going to air some of the best election fraud and irregularity evidence that they have. We should all be watching. That. I think seeing it all pulled together in one story may make it a lot more understandable for average Americans. Awesome. Well, folks, again, that's founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, John Solomon. Make sure you check out all of those stories and more at JustTheNews.com and stay right with us here on Actionable Intelligence. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, joining us now from Michigan is America's Voice Live host, Tudor Dixon. You have seen her and Steve Gruber on the show before. Every day, they're on Real America's Voice from 1 to 3 Eastern. Tudor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Tudor, look, you've got a nationwide audience. We also know we sometimes call on you and Steve to come in with some Michigan-specific guidance and expertise because you are uh, based there in Michigan. Michigan's been in the news a lot lately, especially with what's been happening in Antrim County. Please give our viewers across the country just a, a quick update on what's happening in Michigan. Yes, well, we know this ASOG group went into Antrim County and they were able to do a forensics review of the Dominion voting system. And they came out and they said, hey, there's a lot of evidence here, what we see of voter fraud. Now you have the attorney general who came back and said, well, there's no evidence here of voter fraud. That's not what we're seeing. You have evidence where you're saying things happen that you can't explain, but there's no specific evidence of voter fraud. And so there is a situation here where there are these votes that are adjudicated. Now, they can be adjudicated in mass. So you can have a massive amount of ballots that you say, okay, something happened with these, something went wrong. They didn't run through the machine correctly. And then a person can go in and they adjudicate them all at once and say, well, you know, these are all Joe Biden votes. We're just going to put them in for Joe Biden. Or these are all Trump votes. We're going to put them in for Trump. Now, if you go back years and years, 2008 and earlier, you can see all of those adjudicated votes and you can say, okay, this person did this. There's a trail. Mm -hmm. But see, in 2020, there's no trail. And so that's when you have attorney Matt DiPerno coming out and saying, there's something up here because there were a massive amount of votes that were adjudicated, but we don't know who did it. We don't know right. why they did it. We don't know how many were done at one time. And Tudor also, please remind our viewers, Antrim County is the county where thousands of votes were, we know, miscounted. Just break that, break that history down of what happened in Antrim County with those votes being, that were improperly taken away from President Trump and given to Vice President Biden. Sure. So the only reason that we know that this happened is because on election night, the next day, everybody said, wow, this traditionally red county Mm. went so far and beyond for Joe Biden. There's 6,000 votes here that 
don't seem like they're his. So originally when they came out and they, they said, oh, there was a mistake, it was human error, there was a counting issue, you know, someone punched the wrong button, and then it was, well, we don't know if it was human error. And so the story kind of got lost and people started to say, wait a minute, there's something that's off here. But, but honestly, we would not have known anything if this weren't a traditionally red county that went so far and beyond for Joe Biden and somebody said, I'm scratching my head here because these numbers don't add up to what we traditionally see for Antrim County. And that's when we realized, okay, there is definitely discrepancy. They switched those votes back to the president, but then people started to say, well, wait, if this happened here, right. where else could this have happened because of the questions surrounding this election? Right, and so then that's really when people started to dig into what happened in Antrim County. There were a lot of questions, obviously, about the Dominion voting systems. And then let's also break down for our viewers. So there was this group that went in and they did an analysis of what happened in Antrim County. And my understanding is that one of the judges there in Michigan actually released that report publicly. Do we have that right? Yes, this, this, there was a few redactions, very few redactions, but it was released yesterday. Now, initially, our Attorney General and Secretary of State said, no, absolutely not, this can't be released. So they tried to block it in the courts. Well, yesterday they were given the report and Attorney General Dana Nessel came out and said, you know what, I don't think this proves anything, so I'm okay with it. Send it out. The, the people can see it because it's all circumstantial evidence here. There's nothing saying that the votes were actually changed. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, that's because you su sufficiently covered your tracks by deleting all of the yeah. records. So if you can't go back and look at the records, which have been there historically for, for elections past, and we can still go back and look at those, if we can't look at 2020, we can't definitely prove without a doubt that this was election fraud. Yeah, and Tudor, I would think that most people, and this is just me, just kind of a common sense view, I think most people would think to themselves, look, we want to have transparency in the elections. We want to have confidence in our elections. What is the possible argument for actually deleting this track record that we've had in the past so that we could go in and do this auditing? What, what are they saying? What's the possible justification for why they want to delete or have deleted this information? I don't think we have that answer at this point, and that's why these attorneys will keep pushing for that. But that's the thing. That's how these, these lawsuits, they go on for years. But that's why so many of these folks on the right are saying it doesn't matter how long it goes on. We want to know that our elections are secure because this is our right. This is our yes. God-given right is to elect the next president and anybody in our state. So we want to make sure that this is a solid system. That's why they're going to push these folks to continue doing that. That's why you see people going into Maricopa County and trying to do the same thing in Arizona. Right. And Tudor, I want to I want to shift gears uh, just a little bit. You know, one of the big stories at justthenews.com they've been pushing and pursuing for a long time is this investigation into Hunter Biden. I know that you and Steve have been talking about this on America's Voice Live. You and I have talked in the past about the kind of censorship of this story that took place where you had big tech literally punishing people who put facts out about Hunter Biden in the days leading up to the election. Uh, one of the things I love about the show that you have with Steve is that you're hearing from your guests all the time. What are you hearing from folks about the Hunter Biden story right now? 
I think the people are most upset that this Hunter Biden story was hidden during the election. Yeah. And the Attorney General, Bill Barr, has come out and said, you know, we don't, we don't come out and talk about these things during an election because we don't want, as the Justice Department, to sway the voter. But a lot of voters are saying, well, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a really big deal, especially when you're dealing with foreign countries. And it seems as though there's something that went on, a, a quid pro quo, if you introduce me to dad, yeah. then I will be able to, or if you introduce me to your dad, then you'll end up getting a lot of money. And a lot of money switched hands. And there was a lot of money that was unaccounted for. So we also have the tax issue now. In a time when most Americans can't pay their bills, we're hearing, well, Hunter Biden was hiding $400,000. This isn't a mistake somebody makes. You don't accidentally leave $400,000 off of your tax report. And so Americans are now saying, why would the Justice Department not think that this is a valid thing for the American people to know? It just casts more doubt on this whole election process and how this man actually won the office of the presidency. Yeah, I think what we're hearing also is just a tremendous amount of frustration, even if this federal investigation into Hunter Biden's taxes weren't revealed. What is clear is that people knew, uh, and JustTheNews.com has covered it, and a few other courageous outlets were actually covering what was happening, but you also had this big tech censorship which came in and literally was shutting down the accounts of people who were sharing these facts. And I think that's also led uh, to a lot of frustration. One of the things we keep hearing is that people are looking more and more every single day for alternatives to the mainstream media. They want to have places that respect their intelligence. They want to have hosts and others who are willing to engage with them and just share, uh, share these facts. Are you guys finding the same? Oh, absolutely. That's why people come to us every day and they say, we're, we're so glad we left Fox News. We didn't know where to go. We're so glad that we found you and we realized that this was a place to get news because we're not just bringing you political opinions. We're bringing you news from across right. the spectrum. But these are very important things when news, exactly what you're saying, when news is being hidden from you, you need a source you can trust. Yeah, absolutely. And Tudor, talk a little bit about kind of the big things that you guys uh, are covering and will be covering on, on America's Voice Live. Well, we're going to go through Bill Barr resigning. That's big news. We're going to talk about what happened with the electors. We're going to talk about the coronavirus vaccine. And now we have this problem out there. Where we have a lot of leaders in the black community that are going out and saying, hey, trust this. This is safe. But then on the flip side, you have other leaders who are going out there and saying, don't trust this. Don't take this. And this is causing a big problem for the medical community. But not just for the black community. A lot of people in general, there's campaigns going out across the nation to say, this is safe. Please do this so that we can get back to our new normal. I know we're going to have people on both sides of the fence there because I've already gotten responses from our audience saying, I'm not taking this. And others who say, hey, I just want to be able to get back to normal life. Yeah, I think everybody certainly wants to get back to, to normal life. And I think they also are looking to get some clarity amid all of the confusion. I think one of the things that's been so hard is that you've had folks like Dr. Fauci, you know, who came out and everybody will remember. He said, no, this isn't a big deal. And then he said it's a pandemic. And for a while they were yelling at people not to buy masks. Do not buy masks. Don't wear masks. And 
And then, of course, all of that changed. And now there's a vaccine. And because of all of the back and forth, I think there has been a lot of confusion. And I think people just want to get uh, some facts and some clear uh, some clear opinions. One thing I do want to get uh, your thoughts on was Attorney General Barr uh, did re uh, announce his resignation that he's going to be resigning just before Christmas. But in that letter, he also drew tremendous attention to this Russia collusion hoax. And he talked about how this was a partisan effort to smear and hamper the president. A really extraordinary thing for an attorney general to put uh, in his letter. In the 30 seconds or so that we have, have left, what's, what's your reaction to that, Tudor? I think that just goes to show that this president had a very tough four years and he was constantly being attacked but under these false pretenses. And, you know, the president was very highly um, complimentary of Bill Barr as well. And so I think that those were two men that worked very well together. But the future is uncertain with a Joe Biden presidency. And I think the president wants those last that last month to see what he can do to make sure that he is bringing justice to this whole situation as well as he can. Awesome. Well, Tudor, we very much appreciate you, as always, joining us here on Actionable Intelligence. And again, folks, that's Tudor Dixon. You can catch her and Steve Gruber right here on Real America's Voice every day from 1 to 3. It's a great show. It's a fun show. They bring you lots of insight and perspective. Stay right here with us on Actionable Intelligence. We'll be back with Sophie Mann in just a minute. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. As you know, this is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we bring you the stories that oftentimes the mainstream media ignores. We've got a fantastic team at JustTheNews.com. And joining us now is Just The News correspondent, Sophie Mann. Sophie, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Happy to be here. Please let our viewers know what's biggest biggest news that's happening today. Well, so this morning, we know yesterday, the Electoral College met across the country to vote. Um, and regardless of what those sort of results were in the eyes of some Republican legislators who put up uh, sort of um, resolutions to challenge uh, the votes in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin, um, the Electoral College voted in favor of Joe Biden, which uh, Congress will move to certify on January 6th. So today, for the first time on the Senate floor, um, Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell acknowledged Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the presidential elect and vice presidential elect, which is rhetoric that we hadn't heard from him of yet. We know that it had been a little bit controversial um, in, in Republican politics to refer to Biden and to Harris as the presidential and vice pres presidential elect. But today, Mitch McConnell really signaled to his caucus, to reporters, to the nation that it is, you know, the, the electoral system has worked. It has done its job. And now these two will assume high office um, in the coming month. So we're, we're seeing some sort of mixed reactions from that from Republican voters and members of Congress. But uh, by and large, I think he was just he was he was, you know, he's trying to keep things in order. He's trying to move the process forward. He's saying, I know that there are hundreds or sorry, excuse me, millions of people who are disappointed with these results. But this is how our system works. This is, you know, the Electoral College doing its job. And so we're going to take this in stride and move forward. 
Yeah, you know, and one of the things that was interesting also is that uh, David Brody, right, mm -hmm. on the Water Cooler Show, right here also on Real America's Voice, he had on Scott Rasmussen, who just recently done a poll about how Republicans feel about these election results. I want you, if you can, take a listen uh, to this, and Sorry. I want to get your reaction. Uh, is Joe Biden president-elect or is he just Joe Biden? Uh, is he the guy that ran against Trump that got too, too, too many illegal votes? Is he is Donald Trump the guy that won't give it up and won't leave the White House? What's going on? Let's get uh, some answers from Scott Rasmussen uh, with uh, Just the News and Just the Polls, uh, who does this uh, podcast for us uh, all, all the time here on JustTheNews.com. Uh, Scott, good to see you, sir. David, great to see you. And, you know, today the Electoral College is meeting and they will formally uh, confirm that Joe Biden is president-elect. But not everybody thinks that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, some polling that I've just conducted for PoliticalIQ.com shows that this weekend, 29 percent of voters, nearly one out of three, still believe that Donald Trump was the legitimate winner of this presidential election. And by the way, 17 percent actually think he will somehow ultimately be declared the winner. I mean, I'm just, I don't quite know what to say. I'm just sitting here kind of, kind of marinating on those numbers. Is that, that that's, should I, should I be shocked at those numbers? I don't know what I should what? feel. What do I, what should I feel? Scott, help me. I'm doc, be Dr. Phil for me. Help me out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not very good at Dr. Phil. What I can tell you is that for Republicans, most Republicans, 63% say that Trump really was the legitimate winner. They think that something was wrong with the votes. Now, when you say, how should you feel, though, you got to remember back four years ago, about a third of uh, voters thought that Donald Trump was not the legitimate winner. You know, it was all because of Russian collusion. Uh, this is something that's become a bit of a problem in America. The losing side is believing somehow they got cheated. Uh, we've had nine consecutive close presidential elections where nobody's won more than 53 percent. We haven't had a landslide since 1984. And so these close elections are, are putting everybody on edge and they're close enough to make the losing side think they won. You know, um, yeah. And it's going to be a problem for for President-elect Biden going forward, just as it was a problem for President Trump having the resistance out there. So, Sophie, that was David Brody talking with Scott Rasmussen mm -hmm. about his latest polling on these numbers. I know that you and the team at JustTheNews.com are also following all of these continued electoral challenges. There's a big story we we're talking with John about earlier about Wisconsin and what their Supreme Court has done. What are the big stories that you're also following related to the election moving forward? Well, so I think the biggest one right now that we need to think about is what's, hap what's going to happen on January 6th when Congress moves to certify the Electoral College vote result. Um, we've heard from a couple of Republicans Republican congressmen that they are planning to file written challenges of the result. We haven't heard from any Republican senators that they're planning to second those um, challenges, which is what it, which is what you would require to move to debate about whether or not you can actually challenge the electoral slate that is presented on the 6th. But I think that there are some rumblings that some noise will perhaps be made on the 6th to contest the results of the Electoral College. I mean, I think that those are interesting poll results because, um, you know, as, as Scott said, this is a divisive issue. And I mean, the Republican Party leadership now has a choice, at least the ones who are guaranteed another term in office like uh, Mitch McConnell and um, his fellow senators and congressmen um, 
to, you know, keep the country unified and move the executive branch along and move the government along. But they're also contending with a base and with a significant faction of their party who don't trust the results of this election. Um, so they're, they, it's not even a, it's not necessarily a binary choice for them. It's sort of their, they need to strategize about how to move the people forward and how to get Americans to understand the results of this election. And whoever, you know, takes office on January 20th, I think that there will continue to be outstanding questions like the ones that we're seeing litigated in Wisconsin, in Georgia. Um, Jenna Ellis said yesterday yes. on David Brody's show that uh, we should be expecting some movement from some of the cases in Georgia this week. So I think that there are these important outstanding questions about what happened with this vote and, you know, the continued use of Dominion voting systems machines and just all of the issues that we've identified and continue to identify um, online and on the network. But, um, you know, they, the, the Republican leadership has this choice now and is... Uh, it's, it seems clear from this morning that they are choosing to kind of take the path of least resistance um, as it pertains to the electoral college results. They will embrace Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the next president and vice president, and will have to contend with how their base reacts to that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of folks who it's not just a lack of trust in the Republican establishment, but there's also a tremendous lack of trust we've seen in polling in the mainstream media. People don't feel like they're getting fair information about what actually happened. And I know that one of the things that you and the team at JustTheNews.com are working hard to do every day is to actually drive and dig in on a lot of these stories that the mainstream media won't, won't cover. That includes, of course, election irregularities, but it also includes, and we had John Solomon on earlier talking about his latest story about what's happened with Hunter Biden. We now know that Hunter Biden has acknowledged that he is a target of a federal criminal investigation. Mm -hmm. More and more information continues to come out. What do you make of where not just this story is at, but also of how the mainstream media has been downplaying the Hunter Biden story? And it seems to me like it's gotten to a point now where it almost can't be ignored, but they still seem to, to want to ignore it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, now that we have a uh, president-elect Joe Biden, it seems like it's finally time to discuss Hunter and these um, sort of difficult business dealings that he's gone through with uh, the Russians, the Ukrainians, and the Chinese over the past many, many years. This isn't, you know, this isn't a campaign year story that the media was trying to keep hush-hush or the DOJ didn't want to comment on for, you know, the 2020 cycle, which, like, perhaps there's a defensible argument for that. But this has been going on for years and years and years. Hunter Biden's financials have been under investigation for at least six years, bleeding back into his father's administration with President Obama. And, I mean, John Solomon has really taken just incredible ownership of this story for years and years, but, you know, has been at times labeled a conspiracy theorist for continuing to hone in on what we are now finding out to be just completely accurate reporting and facts and things that people are perhaps going to get in trouble for, for lying under oath to Congress. And, you know, it's just piece after piece of the story continues to come out. And I think it's important that people, you know, not necessarily become the experts that John has become in this particular issue, but, um, pay attention to who is telling the story and when. And I mean, of course, we saw that unbelievable example of the New York Post being hushed up just in the weeks leading up to the election. But um, I think, yeah, I think, is it is it too late for the mainstream media to regain the public's trust on this issue, I, I think is a question that people will need to contend with, regardless of whether or not you actually think the Hunter Biden story is an important one or one that should affect your um, decision-making or opinion of Joe Biden himself, I think it is, as you say, just important to think about the sort of patterns of media cover-up. Would this have happened if it were an Ivanka or a Jared or a right. Don Jr.? But because it was a Hunter who seems to really have been involved in some outlandish activities, 
um, it was not spoken about for years on end. Yeah, and I think one of the things also that people appreciate about John's reporting and your team at JustTheNews.com mm -hmm. is that you actually put the documents online. People see in your reporter's notebook mm -hmm. section, they can dig in. So on John's story, for example, they can see the actual State Department memos where they're talking yeah. about concerns about bribery and corruption. And by the way, that was the Obama administration That's talking about concerns about bribery and corruption. Give me your perspective as someone who's always out there writing each day and is interacting with the public. Why is it so important to you to kind of put those facts out there so that your readers and our viewers can read them for themselves? Well, I think exactly as you say, it's we, we think it's really important for our readership to be viewing the same information that we're viewing in as insofar as we can present it. I mean, a lot of these documents, especially that John has been dealing with for years, are classified or top secret or come from sources that we want to keep quiet, which is, of course, how the profession works. But to the extent that we are able, we want people to not just be taking our word for it blankly. We want them to, you know, be working with the same sources that we're working with. We want to give them a presentation of the facts, of the evidence, and um, the dig in feature on our website special for that reason. You just click the tab next to the story and we'll list out the documents for you that we've cited, that we've sourced. We'll highlight important parts of them. And I mean, you can go through it and judge for yourself how, how you, you know, think the narrative of the short story should be played out. Of course, we, we are presenting it in the way that we feel is most efficient and truthful and um, neutral. But, uh, you know, we want people to be able to craft their own understandings of stories by working with the same kind of information that we're working with. Yeah, and I, and I hope that, that other organizations will start to follow that lead and actually put the documents mm -hmm. out there so people can read and see see for themselves. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for, for joining us again. Thank you. Again, folks, that's Sophie Mann, correspondent at JustTheNews.com. If you head out to JustTheNews.com, you can see her work there and the work of the rest of the team at JustTheNews.com. Now, stay right with us here on Actionable Intelligence. We're going to be back with Joe Weber in just a minute. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence, and we work to bring you the stories that often the mainstream media isn't covering. Uh, joining us now is Joe Weber with the JustTheNews.com team. Joe, we've been talking a lot on this show today about some really important stories domestically, but there are also some important stories that you and the team are following internationally. Specifically, Iran has been in the news a lot because the Trump administration has taken a very hard line against Iran. People are wondering what a potential Biden administration might do vis-a-vis -vis Iran. And you've got an important story about an invest potential investigation into Iran's conduct. Can you break that down for our viewers? Sure, I'd be happy to. There's an interesting report out today by some senior United uh, UN experts uh, accusing Iran of withholding information about a 1998 massacre of as many as 30,000 political prisoners um, wow. and that 
um, you know, this has been 20, 30 years and nothing is coming out. And they're suggesting that they're actually saying, if you're not going to tell us, then we're going to try to engage in an international tribune tribune to get um, to get these people to trial to find an investigation and a trial eventually for what happened. And Ken Blackwell, a former um, UN ambassador to the United Nations, uh, the Human Rights um, Committee, he's behind this as well. Um, so it's a big effort and it's been a long time coming. So it will be interesting to follow and see what happens if they can any, make any headway here. Yeah, and remind our viewers a little bit about the incident itself and what is being uh, potentially investigated here. Well, the, the massacre at 19, they put as many as 30,000 political dissidents, the regime at that point, in prison. And then all of a sudden, you know, no one knows what happened to them. So presumably massacred, but really no information about who did it and how it happened. One of the biggest problems, what experts are saying, is the fact that uh, many of those people that were in that regime are still in power now. So there's really no political motivation there to try to find, get to the bottom of this. Excellent. And obviously, when people think about Iran, they obviously think about uh, the Pentagon. They think about the DOD. Uh, you've also been doing some work. You've got some insights into the role that the Department of Defense has played historically. A lot of people recognize that the DOD has played a big role. But even up to the present day, the role that the DOD has played in advancing science in the country. Can you share with our viewers a little bit about what you're digging into there? Yeah, this is just by way of the fact that we've seen uh, one coronavirus vaccine approved and then another one expected to be uh, approved by the end of this week after the FDA panel gave Moderna uh, a very highly effective uh, rating today. And just to pointing out the fact that um, Defense Department has been a bit of an unsung hero in this, not to, including all the people who are, you know, people are delivering the information and, and the vaccine in the first line, uh, people who are administering it. but. As you well know, you know they were sort of the, invented the internet, uh, artificial limbs, um, cortisone, jets. So we really take a look at this effort uh, the Defense Department has done. As you know now, they provided this kit with the card that lets you know when the virus is and it comes with the um, syringe and everything like that. So really an unsung uh, role that the Defense Department has played. And I just thought your uh, viewers would be interested in that. And I know you having been a SEAL probably firsthand saw what some of the technology and advancements that the Defense Department has done. Yeah, and look, for a long time, uh, DARPA, people know it uh, by the acronym, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency has played a really important role in advancing a lot of scientific breakthroughs, and particularly not just doing pure science, but actually figuring out how you take that pure science and then apply it. Even things, um, as you mentioned, like artificial limbs, which have gone through a tremendous uh, amount of development over the course of the last two decades, in part stemming uh, from the need to provide these to, to veterans and to members of, of the United States military. They've, they've pushed it uh, really far. Now, Joe, you also at JustTheNews.com, you and the team are also digging into lots of different elements of what happened in the 2020 election. You're following every development closely. Uh, what's the latest that you have to share with our viewers there? couple things. One, uh, interesting development out of Texas. Uh, the 38 GOP uh, legislators uh, certified their votes um, or electoral vote, electoral college votes for uh, President Trump. And they asked four other states, um, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Wisconsin to do the same. Unfortunately, uh, those four states, they were critical states in the, in the race, as you know. Uh, they had already certified this, so we don't know how much longer it will go. And one other thing that I might make mention that President Trump and his team continue the fight in the legal, in courts, the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, just recently 
uh, rule that state and local legislators there or state and local officials there had overstepped their boundaries by allowing quote unquote shut-ins uh, not um, to have voter registration. They went too far with that. So that was a win for them. And you know, President Trump, even as, as early as this, uh, recently as this past weekend said, you know, um, he will continue to fight to try to uncover, you know, uh, cases of fraud and um, let officials overreaching their um, authority in this election. Yes, and we had we had John Solomon uh, on earlier talking a little bit about this story, and he described it as uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court closing one door, but then also opening a window at the same time. I know that you and the team are going to continue to to follow that those developments uh, very closely. Um, what's your sense for what people need to be watching? I asked the same question to John earlier, but what's your sense for what people need to be watching most closely in this week leading up to Christmas and knowing that a lot of times uh, politicians will try to dump news between Christmas and New Year's? What do you think people need to be paying attention to? Well, I think a couple of things that are interesting is that we've got to watch really what this uh, Congress is going to do when the votes become certified on Capitol Hill January 6th. There's been some uh, movements of talk among House Republicans that they're going to try to um, contest that and they need somebody from the Senate. Uh, I'm sure that um, there's a lot of House members there talking to a lot of members of the Senate, figuring out they only need one person to do this, get the process going. Mm -hmm. Will go. We don't know, but you know that they'll be whipping that sort of whipping that vote, as they say, up there on the hill. Uh, again, too, recess appointments. You know, that's something always uh, interesting to look forward to. That typically happens over the Christmas break. Uh, so we'll be watching that as well. Awesome. Well, Joe, we very much appreciate you um, and the entire team at JustTheNews.com staying on top of these stories every day and making sure that we are bringing the stories that too often the mainstream media ignores and bringing them to our viewers. Joe, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, well, folks, you probably saw this past weekend Army-Navy football game. Unfortunately, the Army did win this year. We have to let them win every, every once in a while, but since the Navy's won, I think, is it 14 of the last 15 or 16 games? I, it's only fair that we let them uh, win one. But, you know, all joking aside, it's a wonderful and powerful display of patriotism, hope, and service. And I think that you will enjoy this piece. It was recently done on the Army-Navy game. It is, after all, the only football game in the country where everyone on the field has pledged that they are willing to give their lives for everyone who watches the game. Take a look. Even in any other year, this has never been just any other game. We're basically all on the same team except for this game. It is totally different than any other game there really is. Navy is a special team. Army is a special team. They're there for a special reason. It's not just about the football. You have 90 seconds to say your goodbyes. The emotions of every mom and dad, their pride in the choice their children made that a country is worth fighting for. That's a very special kind of individual. It's not easy to do. But that's why not everybody does it. Oh, beautiful, for spacious skies, for amber waves of rain. This hasn't been just any other year. 
But while so much of life in America has been so profoundly changed, the rhythms of life in these two institutions have gone on. They simply have to. signing up to lay down your life for someone else. It's not for the faint of heart. They would do whatever it took to protect our country. You just are overwhelmed with pride. spending time with them is. So you give up that. They're not yours anymore. But it's the unselfish thing for your kids. You let them go. You gotta let them go. The learning they do here, the training to protect the rest of us, isn't something that can be paused or homeschooled. And today, we celebrate that commitment like we do every year in a game different from all the others. It's the best our country has to offer. Any parent that sees their son run out in that field, it, it chokes you up. I just admire the ability to make such a difficult choice. How many parents can say that about their kids? How many? Not what? Army Navy still reminds the rest of us that for every difference that seems to define us, unity remains an awfully beautiful thing to behold. Under one flag, as one nation. It's much, much bigger than football. The only game that everyone's playing in it, they're willing to die for everyone who's watching it. This has never been just any other game. This is Army-Navy. <laughs>